0: Everybody, July 18th, year 2009, and this is a special broadcast tonight. We will get into it's almost became a regular tradition for the summertime to have Christmas in July. And tonight, it's the night, and in a minute or two, I'm gonna call my friend Patricia and she's gonna co host it. So we're gonna welcome phone calls, uh, play Christmas shows to help cool down the summer months. Anyway, so that's what we're going to do tonight. And before that, we'll say a prayer. Dear Lord, bless the station. Look after all our listeners and supporters of this station. Look after Bill, Kim, and Beth. Look after John, if you get ready to go back home in a week. Look after everybody who enjoyed what we do. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, as I'm getting ready, it's What's going on in that Christmas song? Here we go, everybody. My favorite of them all. Here we go. night. Well, I think it's time for me to give my friend Patricia a call, and I'm going to put in a song that I think I know she'll like, and I like it. Anybody who grew up watching the show, or the seasonal show, in the 70s would know what I'm talking about. Here we go. Should I turn that down? I think it's time to turn this one up. Hello, Patricia.
1: Hello, Walden. Merry Christmas in July. In July. Yep,
0: yep. We are here. And that is a good thing. We uh, we do this, we try to do it every summer, at least one night out of, the, out of the summer season. And our phone lines are open. You want to talk about radio or talk about the hot weather or whatever you want to do out there. At 714-545-2071, number, 714-545-2071. Well, Patricia, have the weather today down your way?
1: Oh, it was hot today. We're smack in the middle of our summertime here, so almost every day the temperatures are well into the 90s. I know there are parts of the country that would laugh at that because they've been hammered so hard with some pretty high temperatures. I know Texas has been one of them, but 92, 94, 95 degrees, that's about my threshold. Anything more than that, and I'd start to wilt.
0: Well, the thing you always gets me about the neck of the woods you guys always live is the humidity factor. Any idea what, how much, how wet is it when you step outside?
1: When, oh, well, the same as inside. I never use air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I truly don't. I've never uh, been particularly fond of air conditioning. Once in a while, I'll turn it on when I'm on my way out yeah. to keep the humidity down, and then when I come home, I shut it off again. Which is a little backward, but of course I am
0: too. <laughs> I asked you, I know uh, the famous baseball announcer, Vince Gelly that's what he does. When he's on the road,
1: uh-huh. he'll
0: turn the air conditioning on in the room that he's not in.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I think he figures it's easier on the vocal cords that way.
1: And it probably is. Yeah. It's pretty hot. We During the day, the humidity isn't too bad because the temperature is so high. But at night, when the temperature starts going down a little bit, then we get some high humidity. So it doesn't feel like Christmas. But it doesn't feel like a northern Christmas in the middle of December either. <laughs> <laughs> well, July is just fine. July is just
0: fine. Well, maybe I'll explain how this came about. And I will do that in a second. But now I'll just go ahead and bring... Bring the car up anyway. Hello, Car.
2: Hello, Walden Hughes and Patricia in Fort Myers. Hello. Uh, Lynn Noise. Hello, Lynn.
0: I was gonna gonna blame you for this whole responsibility of this show.
2: Oh well thank you. What did I do wrong this hey, time, Walden?
0: Actually, you're in the one to campus this concept.
2: I know it and I still love it. <laughs> the greatest things we got going, to be honest with you. I think
0: you I think you suggested about seven years ago. And uh guess for the audience, you wrote me an email, said, and you came up with the concept. So about almost every summer, we because of this format, we blame you for it.
2: Well, that's great. <laughs> take, I'll take the blame. It's okay. Anyhow, you guys were talking about weather. I wanted to tell you, I'm sitting here. Hi, Patricia, by the way.
1: Hello, Lynn. It's good to hear from
2: Are you, you. Yeah, how you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm
2: hot. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm sitting here. I'm at my, uh, my girlfriend's house down in Phoenix. Huh? Actually, Glendale, Arizona. And I'm looking out the window, and there's, she lives on lakes here. You know, water runs behind us, and the palm trees are swaying. The wind is blowing, and it's so beautiful, and it's about 110 degrees.
1: Oh, is it really that hot?
2: Yeah, it really is. It was really hot today, Annette. But what's so like I say, it's so funny. You look out the window, and it's so gorgeous out there. You know, she's got a pool and all that in the backyard. But then you look at the temperature, and you go, God, this is terrible, you know?
1: having some christmas spirit will cool it off a little bit
2: well that's what i was going to say this christmas stuff will make me feel real good and cool us down real nice so but i wanted to say hi to you folks thank you for doing this this is a wonderful thing to do in uh, this time of the year especially when you live in arizona
1: Thank you for calling. This is fun. I'm I'm really happy that you called in, and um, I hope you cool down. I know at at different times you have mentioned that Christmas is a fun time for you. You you really enjoy Christmas, so this year you get it
2: twice. That's true, and I do enjoy it, Patricia, that's for sure. I'm like a little kid, you know, and um, not only enjoy giving, but I enjoy receiving. You know, you're not supposed to enjoy receiving as much giving, but I do have a good time with both of them, and it's just a wonderful time of the year.
1: Yeah, it is. Well, I'm so glad you called in.
2: Well, both of you have a wonderful night, and uh, I'm going to sit back and listen a little bit. Noni and I are going to listen to what you play and, you know, just have a nice night with it. So you you have a good time and really enjoy it.
1: We're going to have some trivia later. Maybe there's something you know.
2: I don't know anything, Patricia. You know that.
1: Lynn, nice. You're telling Fibs again.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know a couple of things. <laughs> Anyhow, Walden, thanks for doing this. All right,
0: Lynn. Thanks for you su- suggesting it years ago. We still kept it up in your honor. So, hey, I'm glad you're the first caller to kick it all off. So, well, it's-
2: very good. Well, make it a wonderful night and everything, and I'm sure it will be, and uh, we'll be enjoying it.
0: Thanks, Lynn. Thanks, Lynn. Hey, take
2: care. Bye, Patricia. Bye, Walden. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. And, and Lynn has a show on this network, um, Tape 15... We won't be saying that too much longer, uh, we, uh, just, eventually, I'll give you a clue, everybody, the, the automation system will not be running on tapes, so, uh, maybe sometime later this year, or next year, we'll have to come up with a new concept, but we're a noise show, it's on this, on this station, and it is on tape 15 for now, and, uh, and I think right now, I think to is playing a series of comedy shows, if I recall. Very nice. You can give us a call at 714-545-2071 if you like. person, well, I think. Anything strikes your fancy? You want to bring up, Patricia? Any 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 topic? Any idea before I I throw something on the table for
1: you? Well, we're talking about Christmas, even though it's in July. And at Christmas time, you usually ask, and last year you let me come out and play on Christmas too. <laughs> and I spent some on air time for you. But we ask people to call in with some thoughts about Christmas past and even Christmas future if that's what they're planning. Um, you know, if they've got some plans that they're hoping will come true for this coming Christmas. I, I just love hearing Christmas stories. So if anyone would like to call in with one of them, I would love to hear it.
0: That would be good. That would be good. Christmas future, Christmas past, we'll take them here, or whatever your present was when you were growing up. We'll we'll take that, too.
1: That's a great one.
0: We'll take that, too. You
1: know, um, once in a while, I remember, or I remind myself, that not everybody had some wonderful memories from Christmas's past or even time's past. Um, Um... but the thought occurred to me that we have an opportunity to start making. Um, even if you've not had a great story to tell, please call in and we'll start making a new Christmas for you now. Hello, Carl. I'm Walton. This
0: is Charlie in uh, Seattle. Hi, Charlie. How you doing? Fine, how are you, sir? Good. How's the weather in Seattle? Hot. It's not
3: really hot today. But I think it's about uh, well, I don't know,
0: 70, 75, something like that. That is hot. In That's hot in for Seattle. There's no doubt about that.
3: That's a little warm. Thank you for One Man's Family last night. I tuned in. I was listening to you to the Ken
0: Murray thing, and I cut out of that a little bit. I came back, and I got a whole hour of One Man's Family. I appreciate that. No problem. Well, there's definitely, um, I definitely have a group of people who adore that show, and so I've been pretty pretty faithful about that, and right now we're up to the 15-minute versions of those shows, so right. those of you who love One Man Family, we've still got a whole slug of them left, so we'll We'll put them on for Friday night for you guys. Yeah, I appreciate
3: that very much. Uh, are you going to play your uh, Dick Corcoran uh, thing tonight? Nope,
0: you... nope. We're going to devote this one to all trying to cool down. So we're going to we're gonna put Dick on two weeks from tonight. Next week we got a couple of specials, but we'll, we will uh, put together Dick Corcoran and Ed, Ed, uh, Dick and Ed show uh, two weeks from tonight. Okay. Well, I enjoyed
3: that one, too. I always like to listen to that. They always have a good show and put uh, interesting people on there uh, most of the time. I enjoyed that, too.
0: Yeah, it's a good show. It's a good show.
3: Okay, well, I just want to call and say hi, and, uh, uh, we'll be, we, uh, we'll be we listening. What,
0: what's on tap for tonight? you going to play some? Well, Patricia and I decided that we're going to try to cool down the weather with Christmas shows.
3: Hi, Patricia. Hi, Charlie. Hi
0: there. What, you going to play Christmas shows now? Yes. Uh-huh. Christmas show now. Oh, okay. Actually, uh, Lynn Roy suggested this, I think, seven years ago. Why don't I take one night out of the summer? Oh. When it's 110 degrees in Mo Country and people are trying to figure a way to cool off, we'll play some Christmas shows. So, Patricia, so so we got some Patricia shows, uh, Patricia picked out. And so we're going to talk about that and old time radio and take calls and uh, have trivia questions and just kick it back for as long as Patricia wants to stay up. Okay. Well, I'll be listening, you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Charlie. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. And there's Charlie from Seattle. 714-545-2071 is our number. 714-545-2071. Time
1: to turn the tables, Walden. What was your favorite Christmas gift that you got for your entire life?
0: Oh man, I've, I've been blessed that way. Well, I've been thinking on some other stuff. Well, let me think. I'll tell you the one that sticks out my memories. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think all of us would remember our first bicycle. I think I got mine when I was eh, about six years old or so. And, of course, I had the little uh, safety wheels, whatever you call it, or the training wheels on the side. Uh And I remember that. Uh, I also remember uh, getting a remote control airplane, I think, the Christmas after that. That, you know, you can fly it around the living room and adjust it up and down. Uh, or I think probably my favorite one would be an electric car that you would get inside. It would be like a, uh, a drag racer and it ran on electricity. And you could drive it all up and down the house and outside and everywhere.
1: You must have been a joy
0: inside the house. Uh, I was. There was... Um, um. Uh, uh, I'll let people in you know, a secret uh, about my childhood. I... I think we all know I am a big kid at heart. And um, I would create games and things all over the house. Uh, one of the things I lo- love to do uh, is stuffed animals and play sport contests with them. So throughout the house, we would create baseball stadiums. So one part of the bedroom, it would be like Yankee Stadium. And another part, of it, we would design Detroit Stadium. The living room would be designed at Oakland Stadium, and we'd be—my brother and I would be playing baseball games with these stuffed animals with animal rules throughout the whole house. So uh, I don't know. My parents just wanted to have rump through the house. So that's, true, that's a big childhood in my in my life. There's no doubt about that.
1: I have met your mom and dad, and they are very special people. <laughs> they really are. Yeah. They are but they're just just a wonderful couple, and I loved spending a, the little bit of time that we had together, yeah. I just loved it. They really are special people, and it doesn't surprise me when you're telling me how many things you got away with inside <laughs> out, <laughs> because they are such special people. I think they're probably one of four couples in the United States of <laughs> America who could tolerate, <laughs> who could tolerate what yeah, you're yeah, yeah, to with.
0: Well, I, I'll tell you how special um, all kids can get into midships, right? Mm-hmm. I think we all can. Well, I was always, um, good about, good, good makeup before I sort of specialized in. And, um, I would think it was after my third or fourth eye surgery, I wanted wallpaper in my room. And, you know, I had a regular, uh, painted room, like, uh, Navajo White. It's sort of a popular color in California, uh, in your room. So, I talked my brother into it, and here, I think I was seven, my brother was four. And we took our crayon, crayons <laughs> and drew circuit themes mm-hmm. on the walls. Well, when my my dad used to work nights, and so he would sleep during the day, so he was the perfect perfect babysitter, right? He would be zonked out, you know. He at least he would be there and body and half asleep. So we so the two boys would create the circuit theme throughout the bedroom. And my mom came home from her part-time job, and my dad said, well, look what the kids did. And I think they were so impressed, uh, they, they decided to leave it up for a while. And they probably felt bad they didn't take pictures of it. They they went ahead and my dad, quite cleaned it up and uh, uh, repainted over it. But I think they felt bad that they couldn't keep it. I think they were impressed that two little kids could draw a circuit theme. So there's no doubt about it. We sort of... We did get away with murder. There's no doubt about that. That is
1: great fun. Now, (laughs) the two of you had grown up to be Rembrandts, and your dad had painted over your early art. Yeah. Oh, well. Terrible stuff.
0: Oh, well, you know. Anyway, I think another special uh, time for me in Christmas, um, as many people know, uh, my uncle is a retired four-star general, Mm -hmm. lives in Florida and many times he would be stationed around the world every two years in the military you pretty much move and we would get to visit him in very strange exotic places and uh um, and also you know for a family who was going through financial tough times like everybody would go through uh having a relative move to some place really would cut down spending because you travel and stay with them and uh, see a lot of the interesting part of the country and of the world. And the time my uncle became the, uh, wound up being the, uh, the commander, of the Pacific Air Force, he was stationed in Hawaii. So I got to spend two Christmases in Hawaii. Well, you poor kid. I know. I know. But that is. Sounds wonderful. It is wonderful. And then I think, people, if you're ever thinking about going to Hawaii, go the week before Hawaii because nobody's there. The week before? Hawaii. Christmas. Christmas. The week before Christmas? Uh huh. Nobody's there. The, in the hotels, is vacant. Uh huh. So that's a good time to go. If you want to ever go to Hawaii and you can't stand people, go the week before Christmas
1: kind of an introvert. That would be a really super time for me. I am. You think I'm joshing? No, I
0: know. I know. I, I know what you say. I know what you say, but you get you you have this interesting personality that you can be an introvert, and you have extrovert qualities. Sure. Well, I'm,
1: I'm, one of the definitions I heard of introvert and extrovert one time just seems to it has nothing to do with your ability to interact with people or communicate or be bright or sad or miserable. It has to do with how you recharge your internal batteries. And an extrovert tends to get energy from being with people. And an introvert recharges batteries by being in private time and quiet time. It's the quiet that allows them to recharge their batteries. And I've always liked that definition. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I would think, and I can see why logically that makes sense for you, being your, your given perfection as a writer. Yes. That's definitely a quiet task. Yeah,
1: it <laughs> most of the time anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's true, it's true, it's, yeah. it's a perfect combination.
0: Well, I think it's time for us to talk about our first show,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and Patricia, uh, I asked for a list of, of Patricia's choices this year. And we're going to feature a lot of them this year. And, of course, uh, I would think, well, hopefully she knows the right answer to these trivia, trivia questions. Patricia? Yes? What is your favorite old-time radio show? Oh,
1: Fibber, McGee, and Molly. Let's ring the bell! <laughs> All
0: right. right. Yeah, you got it. So that's what I thought we would talk about. Fibber, McGee, and Molly. We're, we're the first show we're going to play... It's the show from December 18, 1945, uh-huh. and this is the one where uh, Fibber paints his, he wants to paint his Christmas tree white.
1: That is one of my all-time favorites, and I I think you know that there are two Christmas shows that that I will listen to over and over and over again, and that's one of them. It's interesting, and forgive me for going off in a different direction here, this is one of the first shows, I, I said one of the first shows, one of the very early shows, shortly after the end of the war. Yes. 1945. 1945. So there was probably a a whole different temperament and social climate that was going on at that time as opposed to the Christmas before.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: I wonder if you can pick that. You find something. When we listen to this show, you find something in there that would tell us that there was a different mindset at that year, that particular Christmas, from the ones before then. Well,
0: uh, I will listen to hearing. I know, if, for those of you who may or may, or may not, uh, and will be celebrating the end of World War II, which I always do, here in August, and you hear the shows from August and September 1945, it's not a major, um, celebration, in other words, what I mean by that, uh, it's not, it's, it's, it's it, 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 it gratefulness. Um, the country was grateful the war was over. They were grateful that we won, and we were grateful it was over. And, and that sentiment uh, is depicted in a lot of the shows in the August and September of 1945. And I'm wondering, when we might hear this here in December of
4: 1945.
0: Mm-hmm. We'll see if we we'll pick that out. Why do you love Fibber, McGee, and Molly so much? What, what makes it work for you?
1: I think it's uh, – well, I don't think. There are several reasons. The first is that they are so comfortable with each other, and the humor sometimes evolves as the show goes along. So that, in my mind, when I see this couple in my brain, because, of course, we didn't see them with radio – in my mind they're really living together they're really having a good time together they really like each other and that's very pleasant to be around we don't often see that any anymore Um, and the writing the humor was fabulous just fabulous it's not something that i can find or i hear It, it has qualities that i don't hear in their old-time radio shows, and there were some special features about it as well. And the one that I think is underappreciated, although most people enjoyed it, was when Fibber would take off on one of his alliteration speeches, where he, had, he sold peanuts properly in Teoria, and he would just go on and, on and on and on and on and on and never miss a beat. Not once did I hear him, one time I heard him skip a beat. And it's an extraordinarily difficult thing to do. So there are a lot of aspects of the show that come together and just make it my favorite.
0: I'm just thinking, I'm wondering if Don Quinn, the writer, um, and I didn't get to it tonight, I was going to pull out uh, segments of a Don Quinn interview I have in my files, Mm -hmm. and where he talks about the show. And for people who may or may not know his background, he was a cartoonist. He was a cartoonist in Chicago. And he went to Jim and Mary and Jordan in the early days. Uh, this is way before February and said can I write some sketches for you. And they started to use it, to, they developed a concept called Smack Out. And, th- and I guess it, in some ways it points out that writers are, are born. Not necessarily, I don't know if you can make a writer. I, but if he had that God given talent or blessings or whatever, or that ability to create something like Feb and and Molly in the Hall of Surviving, I mean, nobody taught him that. That was not his skill set. You know, I mean, he must have been able, it, I mean, he must have been, really? internally, he must have created that. And I was wondering if maybe when I listened to Feb and Molly. I could almost see trait that Jim and Marion and probably had in their personal, private life that he took some of it and brought it to the stage, and it, it created that comfort level.
1: hmm I think you're probably right. hmm they, they were just so comfortable. In the early shows, and I believe you and I have touched on this in other conversations, in the earliest shows of Fibber McGee and Molly, they were very harsh and, and almost abrasive. Molly was abrasive. She would um, make harsh comments to Fibber. She spoke in what could be interpreted as a, a bit of a brogue, and it, it was almost um, a lower-class, ruffian-type personality that the two of them shared, and they, it just wasn't as funny and once they started evolving into a couple who enjoyed each other and appreciated each other and molly found great humor in fibbers foibles and by the way she she never came out which is another positive thing about this show she never oh, I, I don't know how quite to say this she, she never took them apart. She was never crude or rude. And no matter what came out at the end, she always helped it be a little bit better. That even when Fibber flopped, Molly was there to help prop him
0: up. That's true. I'm,
1: uh, uh,
0: I'm currently listening to the um, early shows in 1939. I haven't heard a lot of those yet. I'm a. And I'm working backwards, that's sort of a long think tank at the moment, uh-huh. so I'm working on May 13, 1939, for my private fun listening, and Molly, or Marianne still had the Irish Blog in uh-huh. 39. And, I have to figure out, I, my thinking is probably totally got rid of it by 41, I'm not sure, but that's, I think, that's when the, I think the show first became number one in the country, is around 1941. Uh-huh. So it took them almost six years to finally gel to the format that the public uh, totally adored
1: the show. Yes. Yes. And they became lovable characters in the early 40s, you're right. They, they were almost vaudevillian comedy in the earlier years, and they didn't come off as a couple. They came off as two people telling jokes or having monologues of their own. And they, they just didn't come together. You're right, until the early 1940s. Well, That's when it started really getting fun to listen to them.
0: Absolutely. Well, in this broadcast, we're going to hear uh, Sherry Mitchell, who played Alice Darling. She is still with us, everybody. She uh, uh, And I asked her one time that she knew her role was going to be short-lived. And she said, she, yeah, she knew that ahead of time. That, uh, you know, Eventually, when uh, people may or may not know, um, the war took a lot of the Fibber cast away. Uh, Gil Gordon, who played Merida Trivia, was gone by 42. Uh, Bill Thompson, who played uh, the old-timer, Wallace Wimple, and Horatio K. Boomer, and a lot of parts, he was gone. And so they had to create new characters to help fill in the gaps. Mm -hmm. And uh, Shirley Mitchell who uh, was part of the show during 1943, this is her last show, it's about two weeks away, about January of 46, so just a little note for you, uh, Radio Buff, out there, if you want to take note of this, so Patricia, I think we're ready to hear our first show. I am so happy, this is the first show, thank you. All right, here we go, and Patricia and I will be back in 2930, here we go everybody. The Johnson Wax Program
5: with Fibber McGee and Molly. (laughs) The makers of Johnson's Wax Products for Home and Industry present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie, with music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. (laughs) things are you most anxious to have in your home? Aren't they beauty and cleanliness? Well, think for a moment how easily and inexpensively you can have both beauty and cleanliness just with an occasional application of genuine Johnson's wax to your floors, furniture, and woodwork. A rich, mellow, polished wax surface is a thing of beauty in itself. The wax brings out the grain and beauty of the wood. It adds a soft luster to leather, linoleum, and metal surfaces. And of course, this tough wax film protects these surfaces against wear, dirt, and moisture. Dust and dirt do not adhere readily to a wax-polished surface. So cleaning is not only easier, but a waxed home is actually cleaner and more sanitary. Johnson's Wax is of the very finest quality and long-wearing. The cost is really very little. So why not practice protective housekeeping in your home with genuine Johnson's Wax? Dealers everywhere, carry it. People who simply won't admit that nature does anything right. They're the kind who gild cattails, paint whose little tootsie are you on the shells of baby turtles, <laughs> and click poodle bugs to look like anemic lions. <laughs> Take one of those people now. As we meet, Trevor McGee and Molly.
6: Hey, Fred. Why don't you charge me to paint this Christmas tree white? Why do you want it white, McGee? What do you mean, why do I want it white? you got a hundred trees in this lot you've painted white. Yeah, and I think they're horrible. What? Some people like them that way. Never mind the artistic comment, Fred. How much? Ten dollars. Ten dollars? To spray a little white paint on this half-pint tree? Who do you think you are, Rembrandt? <laughs> looky here, maybe you didn't understand, Fritz. I want this tree painted white, not gold-plated. Ten bucks. You're a parrot, and I'll bet you've made $200 already today. You're a cheapskate, and I've made $340. <laughs> you're, a, you're a robber, and you want to sell a half interest in this joint? <laughs> you're a stoop, and I wouldn't sell my own mother a half interest. You're a low-down, no-good. Oh, the dirty, the dirty swindler. Ten bucks to spray a little tree white. The rat. Cheating people right and left. Making four hundred bucks a day, a chiseler. I don't know whether to report him to the OPA or make him a better offer for a half interest.
4: <laughs>
6: Low down chiseler. Well, yes, and...
4: McGee. This time. <laughs>
6: it's that guy Fred Corrigan that runs the Christmas tree lot at Fourteenth and Oak. That dirty pine broker to charge me ten bucks to paint our Christmas tree white
4: Well, that does seem a little high, dearie But think of the work there is to it Putting all those needles back on after the paint dries <laughs>
6: They don't take the needles off They just spray the trees Whish, 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 that's all there is to it
4: Well, if wishing will make it so, why don't you do it yourself?
6: <laughs> if it's a ten-dollar job, I can't afford to pay myself that much <laughs> Besides, so I haven't got a paint spray, so... Hey! Haven't we got a paint spray attachment on the vacuum cleaner? Oh, dear. Oh, my gosh, I can have that
4: tree painted white before you can say, don't it look awful. Now, McGee, please, I realize we need the house painted, but not on the inside. Let's leave the tree green. Oh, you'll love a white
6: one, Snooky. It's the modern thing. Nobody uses green trees anymore. They're not looted.
4: Hmm. <laughs> you don't say. Well, tell me, Salvador. <sighs> What color snow are people using this year, chartreuse?
6: No kidding, Molly. White
4: Christmas trees are all the rage. Everybody... They knows. must be. They throw me into one. Now look, sweetheart, just put the tree up and trim it. I love a green Christmas tree. Don't you, Alice?
7: Don't I what, McGee?
6: Look, Molly, I'll put it up to Alice fair and square and let her give an opinion. Here's the proposition, kid. <laughs> if you were going to have a Christmas tree, which would you rather have? A dusty, drab, dirty old green one or a bright, snappy, glistening white one? Which, Alice. Mistletoe. Oh. Mistletoe. What an answer.
8: Well, Jeepers, don't you like to hang up a little bouquet of mistletoe, Mr. McGee? Oh, <laughs> he's too shy, Alice.
6: <laughs> I am not shy. What good is mistletoe? Catch somebody on it, and it's either somebody you can kiss anyway, like your wife, or you get a slap in the chops before you can point up to it. Mistletoe. Bah. That's just poison ivy with berries. <laughs>
4: And you'll see who manages to spend most of his time loitering around beneath it. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, now, dear,
8: uh, do you like a white Christmas tree? Well, I like them all, Mrs. McGee. I don't care if they're purple. Gertrude always has a white one, though, and she likes them.
7: Who's Gertrude? You oh, know her?
8: Oh, she's a boy who always rides past here in the cream colored Cadillac and honks his horn sister.
7: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes.
4: Yeah. I see. Well, uh, himself you used to go with a man who owned a Stutz Bearcat's niece (laughs) uh, I gave her
6: up for an old guy with a broken-down Maxwell's daughter (laughs) But honestly now, Alice, don't you really prefer a white Christmas tree? Well,
8: I got awfully tired of them, Mr. McGee When I was a little girl, my father gave us kids some little tiny paintbrushes And told us to paint a Christmas tree white Heavenly days It must have taken you children a long time to paint a tree with little brushes Uh, How long did it take you, Alice? Well, we never did get it finished. But it kept us off the streets till we were 18 years old.
7: Well, I gotta wrap some presents. See you later. (laughs) Right,
6: kid. All that lovely golden hair can grow out
4: of that solid bone (laughs) on (laughs) everyone. Oh, she's awfully sweet, though, McGee. There isn't any thought in Alice's head.
6: No, any other kind. getting my tree splayed. Where'd
4: you leave the tree, dearie? Out
6: in front. I can attach the vacuum cleaner cord from the porch light. Now, let me see if
5: I get Come in.
4: Oh, hello there, Dr. Gamble.
5: Hello, Molly, How are you today, pantry punch? <laughs> fine, Jumbo, fine. You out spreading a little
6: Christmas cheer? Telling your patience you're gonna retire? Oh. <laughs>
4: He's not gonna
6: retire for years yet, are you, Doctor? I do? I will retire on that far distant day when I can write a personal check for $400 and not have the hired help at the 4th National Bank burst into hysterical laughter. All right, <laughs> go on, you old miser. You got that much buried under a loose brick in the fireplace right now. <laughs> trouble with you is you got more affection for a dollar than my wife has for a pound of butter. And that's the love match of the year, facto. <laughs>
4: You say that, though, McGee. Dr. Gamble does more private charity work than anybody in town.
5: Certainly. I'm a very noble character. And I walk down the street, flowers spring into bloom. Birds burst into song, and taxicabs honk twice before they try to kill me. <laughs> i got to long now. This is my busy season, you know. I suppose
4: the children keep you pretty busy around Christmas time, Doctor,
5: huh? No, it's the so called grown ups, my dear. Huh? This is the sunny season when 200 pound men start climbing 49 cent stepladders to wire dime store angels to the tops of three dollar Christmas trees and wind up in a $500 plastic ass. <laughs> my eyes and compound fracture foolish. Don't you want to stick around and watch me trim our
6: Christmas tree Doc? I'm painting it white. Well, you don't have
4: to do that. Skip Wit. Huh? When I put my gift for you under, it'll turn white.
5: the orchestra and the parade of the wooden soldiers.
4: No, <laughs> That's as long as one of us goes out He's satisfied <laughs> Oh, it's really a sweet little dog, Millicent From what I've seen of him
6: Personally, I wouldn't have one of them four-legged like, dust mops as a gift By the name of Duranty? Duranty? Yeah, what a nose that dog (laughs) had. Don't forget one time we were walking through the woods. Me and my dog, pipe over my shoulder, gun in my mouth. What was that again? Uh, Turn over my shoulder and pipe in my mouth. When all of a sudden Duranty freezes He's on point. Nose quivering, tearing out like a ramrod. One foot in the air. I raises my gun, walks slowly forward, and there, not ten feet away, was a guy sitting on a stump. (laughs) (laughs)
4: That was quite a dog, Mr. McGee trying to flush game wardens, was he? Yes,
6: well, sir. I bowled the dog out, and then I was never so ashamed in my life. It was the smartest thing he'd ever done. Why? Well, sir, I got talking to the guy, and you know what? His name was Partridge.
7: Oh.
4: Henry <laughs> W. Partridge. Wasn't that wonderful, Carson? No, I don't think that's so remarkable, Mr. McGee. In the light of what a police dog of mine once did, what that, Millicent? After all it's so cold out tonight, the bologna won't spoil. <laughs> now, this dog of ours was extremely intelligent. Mm-hmm. One day I had him in the post office, and I noticed he was staring at the police posters on the wall. Oh. Suddenly, he dashed out the door and was gone. Probably went out to steal an apple off a fruit stand, Carthy. <laughs> well, when I got home, he was gripping our butler by the vest pocket and was barking into the telephone, which he'd knocked off the table. Oh. When the police arrived, it turned out that Jarvis was wanted by the authorities in three nights. Yes, but why was your dog holding him by the best pocket, Millicent? That was where our butler kept his fountain thing. He said he was wanted for forgery.
8: How <laughs> uh, so nice to have seen you. Good evening.
6: <laughs> well, if she thinks she's kidding? I don't believe a word of that stuff. <laughs> I bet she made that whole thing
4: up. <laughs> well, never mind her, dearie. Get busy with that paint before it freezes solid, will huh?
6: you? Oh, oh, gee, it might have that. Well, back to work.
9: There. Oh, there she blows. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm.
4: Stopped up again, McGee? <laughs>
6: yeah, the <dog> gun thing. <laughs> I only got about a third of this tree sprayed, too. Maybe it's... Hey. What? Well, How could Carstairs Dog be gripping the butler by the vest and barking into the
4: phone at the same time? say he was gripping the butler with his teeth, dearie. Huh? You know, after all, a dog as smart as that could hold him down with one hind paw, dial the police station with the other, and use his front feet to take fingerprints.
6: Yeah, maybe, but how he... Oh, why should I worry? Ah, ah, that's
4: better yet. You're
7: getting that's that better. paint
4: on yourself and you're on the train again. Well, the wind keeps changing. I ought to make these with a the weather vane on them. All right, George, Ah, oh, dear, in the time you've taken to get this tree a dirty gray pet I could have whitewashed the Kaibab National Forest with a flip gun The <laughs> job gone at
6: 802 Hello, folks, what's going on uh, here? Hello, Mr. Wilcox Hi, yeah, Junior, pull up a front step and give yourself a three-point <laughs> hand I <laughs> <laughs>
4: well, you want your Christmas tree painted right, Mr. Wilcox, start home and get it
6: You're here about long, Junie, soon as I adjust the nozzle on this paper Hello, hey, Mac,
5: do you mean to stand there like a the front man for painter's colic? and tell me you're actually going to ruin that pretty little tree with white paint? Learning that refugee from the first primeval, displaying a magnificent evergreen. Ah, oh, skip the dramatics, Junior. We know you
6: memorized Evangeline in high school.
4: And you played the heavy in the Chautauqua Company of Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm, too, didn't you, Mr. Wilcox?
5: A juvenile lead, if you please. I also had three seasons of Shakespeare. A right, likely story. When you play Shakespeare, son, that's when our fellow needs a friend.
7: Oh. Uh-huh.
5: One in Omaha, I have you know, said I was another Barrymore. While hmm. I came out of my tights and said, Oh, what a rogue and peasant slave am I. You can say that again. <laughs> now, Hush Miguel, I love
4: Shakespeare. Go on, Mr. Wilcox.
5: Is it not monstrous that this player here, seeing a lady forced to menial task and seeing such drudgery, would not then dispense a thing called Johnson's glow coat? <laughs> for goodly fluid. (laughs) What is so upon this colorway linoleum would thus eliminate the scrub? No rub, no (laughs) pop. Just pour it on, and in one third the time it takes for our glass to turn, it (laughs) dries.
6: If Shakespeare ain't in the public domain, this two-bit Orson Welles is going to be sued for nine
5: million (laughs)
7: dollars. Ah, yes,
5: it dries. And so mirror-like it gleams. The page spilled, wiped off, leaves not a single spot. The labor say, there's gained, the beauty scene. Tis glow coat. Love <laughs> by chaplain and serving wench alike.
4: Your nearest <laughs> dealer. Hey, hey, now wait a minute, Mr. Wilcox. Is that in
5: Hamlet? My dear girl, it's in every Hamlet, of oh. every village, every
4: camp
5: while our housewife takes pride in the advance of her kitchen. And if I don't get back to the office, in the next ten minutes, I'll find myself back in Chautauqua. It's
7: <laughs> kid.
6: <laughs> that was the biggest ham I've seen since Bulbaro went to the state fair.
7: <laughs> you
6: better be careful or he'll wind up on a platter with an apple in his mouth. <laughs> now, but this ain't getting my tree straight.
7: Not hurry up. You almost
4: got it done now. Yeah. i see I
6: Get it all loosened up good. Ah!
4: There she goes. Ah, oh, this is the best it's been had. Yeah. Look, I hope the tree is getting, Molly. There's one question I'd like to ask you, McGee. Are you sure right. to add them enough, you know I'm doing too good. Hot
6: dog. Ain't that getting beautiful? i finally got this toy gun working perfect.
8: I know, but look, McGee, I've been wanting to ask you if...
6: Later, that... Cookie. waiter. I'm just about finished now. Just let a little bit. Ah. Oh, gee, I'm through. <laughs> <Fair fun. laughs> and believe me, that's the whitest white Christmas tree you'll ever see. Don't you admit this is a mighty
4: pretty effect, baby? Yes, if you like that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll go and make some hot coffee, dearie. Okay. McGee. Huh? Whose Christmas tree is this on the front porch?
6: Well, that's the one I bought this morning, and I'm going to paint white. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh
4: my God! What tree did I paint? The one that's been growing there in the yard all these years.
6: Have all that debt If I ain't the dumbest bloke that ever drew breath A wise guy You know it all Can't tell one truth from another One that's grown and one that ain't i must accept it. I'm a boy on a seat, competent hand-handed butterfingers If I wasn't so stupid I'd never let me sit in and insult myself i like that. Oh, that hi, mister What's the
7: matter? I know that
8: voice
7: Is that you, Teeny? She
8: is, I betcha hmm. What you sitting there with your head and hands for, Mister? Got a headache? Wanna get you nice for huh? Mommy
6: too? No, no, thanks, sis. (laughs) Well, listen, don't touch the kind of headache I got. I just busted my ego in four (laughs) places.
8: Gee, I'm sorry,
6: Mr.
8: Yeah. Oh, boy. Who did that?
6: Huh? Who did what?
8: Who planted that tree hard? Gee, I thought I was beautiful.
6: Yeah, yeah, but that ain't the one. Then it's
8: growing right there in your yard.
7: Well, you see, I got a little confused Oh, Mr.
8: McGee, you're wonderful. Huh? I am? Mm -hmm. You're the nicest in town, I betcha. You put your Christmas tree right out in the front yard where everybody can share it with you, didn't you?
6: Well, I didn't exactly...
8: All kids in the neighborhood are gonna love you for this, mister. All I can hardly wait to get it all lighted up. You can't, eh? Huh? I said you can't, eh? Can't that? You can't wait till I get it all lighted
6: up. Gee,
7: neither can I. (laughs) You know what, mister? What?
8: It's growing on the ground like that, it can't wobble and fall over either. Our mm-hmm. Christmas tree at home is always wobbly. Yeah, lots
6: of people make that mistake, sis. They don't stop to think if they were a tree and got all lit up and then came into a warm room. <laughs> <laughs> <Huh>?
7: Skip
6: it.
8: <laughs>
6: so you think it looks all right out here in the front yard. Yeah, oh, boy.
8: I say. Okay. Why mm-hmm. little children, and why Christmas trees come, come and see yours, can't they?
6: Yeah, I uh, I kind of plan to get a lot of little bags of candy and stuff and let the kids help themselves Christmas Eve. sis. <laughs> I just planned that. it not they like that?
8: Hey, why ever? And let's kids will sing.
7: Say what?
8: Yeah, the song we sing for you every Christmas time. Because the night before Christmas, and we we just recorded. Oh. Would you like to hear
7: it now tonight, huh? Yes. Yes, I believe I would, sir. Yes.
8: Okay. Hey, Connie, Johnny, Buddy, Raddy, come on. You want to hear it all right?
6: You want to have a bunch of kids going on in the neighborhood with a thirty piece orchestra? <laughs>
0: times on that broadcast from December 18th, 1945, one of the classic shows of mm-hmm. Mickey and Molly. When you say, Patricia?
1: I was going to say, and no comment, about this Christmas being different from the Christmas before.
0: That's true. Uh, no, no, they didn't, they didn't, uh, elaborate at all. I was, uh, I was just thinking, you know, they, they say they put their upcoming recording, and I got to think, well, the record strikes are over by November of 44, so that's really, you know, people who had the extra money to buy recordings would have pretty much had the whole year in 1945, so that was really no new indication.
1: My arithmetic is correct. The following week would have been Christmas night that they broadcast.
0: That's, that's true.
1: probably when they made a comment. Uh,
0: that's probably true. That's probably true.
1: And that's another interesting characteristic. Nobody took off on the holidays. If the show night was on Christmas or New Year's or Valentine's Day, it didn't make any difference, Thanksgiving, the shows went on. The show must
0: go on. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, let face it. Uh, they must have loved what they did. They had to. Yeah. And so, uh, so it, almost in a way, it was... Something they loved to do and especially if you were a performer who loved to be with the audience. And You know, I, I've known um, performers, who aware were family members who had gigantic stars, I won't mention. Um, but think of you, think of probably the most well-known entertainer in the whole wide world. I, and I know some of the family members and they said the happiest they were ever on is when they were performing. And so, in a way, for some people, mm-hmm. uh, performing it, it was an expression of, uh, uh, I guess, self-worth and love and all those traits. So they were happy to get up and do it.
1: And a gift of sorts for their audience. Mm-hmm. I have a request. Yeah. Because one of the trivia sets of questions tonight deals with the song that we just heard but okay if I do a trivia now and give people an opportunity to Google the answers?
0: Uh, Absolutely, you go right ahead.
1: Okay, Um, I have a list of CDs, by the way, that are um, available for prizes and people can pick their own. I will ask the questions first and then give them their choices of CDs for anybody who can answer one of the questions. Okay, okay. there's a set of three questions and the person who calls has to answer just one of the three questions correctly now, that's pretty generous but the questions aren't all that easy so the first question is throckmorton p gildersleeve the great gildersleeve celebrated christmas in summerfield with his niece and nephew the question is what was his niece's first name or what was his nephew's first name so that's question number one
0: so you if you know the answer you can give us a call at 714 and that's, you, get, you get three chances. So, you got here, that was your first shot. That
1: was the first shot. The second shot deals with or is related to the song that we just heard the night before Christmas uh, on the Fibber McGee and Molly show. That was introduced three years before on December 23rd, 1942. And the response from the audience was so phenomenal that they decided to keep it as part of their Christmas. And they did it for years at Christmas time, that same song. Teenie was a little girl from across the street who showed up with the King's Men and Billy Mills in the orchestra to sing the song. And that was the first time, of course, in 1942. Now, the question is Jim and Mary and Jordan played Fibber, McGee, and Molly, but who played Teenie? That's the second question.
0: Second question. Who played Teenie in the Fibber, McGee, and Molly? So, if you know that, give us a call. Someone four. Five four five two oh seven one. A
1: third question pretty good. This is multiple choice. <laughs> Actually, not even multiple choice. You can pick which questions you want that will give you a passing grade. Okay, the third question is a famous Christmas story called A Christmas Carol, and it's often it's one with Orson Welles and um, John Barrymore or Lionel Barrymore. Who Was it John or Lionel, or did they both do the role? They both
0: did, but probably the most famous one that we had with the Lionel Barrymore, but they both did it.
1: Was Lionel. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, So they they did um, the Scrooge routine in the Christmas story, A Christmas Carol. It's often referred to as Dickens' Christmas Carol. The question is, who was Dickens? So those are your three chances. You need to identify Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve's niece or nephew. What were their first names? The second one is Who Played Teenie on Fibber, McGee, and Molly? And the third one is Who in the Dickens Was Dickens? Christmas Carol. three choices.
0: So you can give us a call. We just, you just know one to three at 714-545-2071, and you can win a CD of your choice. And, it's is legal. Hey, can't beat that at all.
1: No, you cannot.
0: And so, we'll keep that out there. You can give us a call at 714-545-2071. You know, what the, one of the nice thing about that show we were listening to, to me, ah, we got a caller. Terrific. Okay. And we'll throw him up. Hello, caller? Charlie Sanders Hi, Charlie. How are you?
3: What is the prize? I missed, what, what's the prize for the financial right? You get to pick a CD. Okay. Um, um Marjorie was the niece, Leo was the nephew.
1: Very good!
3: Holly played uh, Teenie.
1: Teeny. Jordan played Teenie, that's yeah. correct.
3: And Charles Dickens was the author.
1: Boy, well, you are good! Okay, I am going to read to you the list of CDs for you to choose from. Okay. You can pick one. One CD is filled with Fibber McGee and Molly Christmas shows. Mm. The second CD is filled with the Great Gildersleeve Christmas shows. Mm. The third one is a CD with a variety of Christmas shows, more than 100. Mm. They're from all over, Red Skelton and Bing Crosby and Fibber McGee and Molly. Mm. second CD with more than 100 shows, and they're different shows so uh, the, a total of 200 shows are available here and the final cd i will make a collection of christmas music by various performers and if you've got favorite singers or favorite music i will see if i can do that
3: okay i'll take the christmas music
1: the christmas
3: a selection of christmas music you know that you said you'd make
1: up okay the music that's fine um and uh, and for anybody else, I'll give you my Hotmail address and you can tell me what your address is so I can mail this to you and you can also let me know if you've got some preferences for Christmas music, either vocalists or do you prefer instrumental. I've got some unusual oh. instrumental ones. Um, my email address for anybody and for you to send me your address is floridawriter, all one word, yeah. at Hotmail. FloridaWriter at Hotmail.com
3: yeah, I, I've emailed you before, I, you, I, you, you know I've emailed by, we've talked to you before, FloridaWriter, Florida, W-I-T-E-R,
1: FloridaWriter,
3: FloridaWriter at uh, Hotmail.com,
1: at Hotmail.com, and I remember that it, uh, last, it was Christmas time as a matter of fact when you called and you answered some questions correctly, yeah. it? and,
7: and, and uh, this,
3: this, this mm-hmm. is fun. Yeah, okay. Florida writer at hotmail.com. I do have some favorite artists, and I'll be emailing you in the next well, a few well a few hours, next day maybe tomorrow, something like that. Okay, that was. Uh, and I enjoyed uh, you know because I listen to old time radio all the time, and, uh, uh, and anybody I mean uh, if you study American literature or English literature, you gotta know who Charles Dickens was. So I enjoyed it.
1: Okay, well thanks for calling in, Charlie. Have a nice evening.
3: You have a good one. I'll be uh, emailing you soon. Thank you.
1: Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye bye.
3: Bye.
0: Thank you, Charlie. And that's Charlie from Seattle. You can also give us a call now, 714-545-2071. It's very nice for Patricia to do that. 714-545-2071. And you just heard the Fibber McGee and Molly show. One thing that caught my ear on that particular show was sound effects. It really did sound like the attachment of a vacuum cleaner. Uh huh. The, the way that the, the, it, it, he you had the going and the swish, it really uh, sounded like he was doing it.
1: The sound effects person on Fiver McGee and Molly was outstanding. He was just exceptional. Do you know who it was? I do
0: not. I do not. And we've uh, been over at NBC, and uh, if I had Probably wanted of the and Molly books, we might be able to look it up sometime, but don't have that one in front of me, but we'll have a call. Hello, caller.
10: Hello, the, my, the, uh, the, this is Ray calling from Chicago.
0: Hi, Ray, how you doing? Hi, Ray.
10: Uh, I, um, you know, I was fumbling around with my cell phone, and I, I just couldn't get the number out fast enough, but I, I, I only had two of the correct answers.
1: All you needed was one.
10: Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, of course, the Fibber McGee that uh, the earlier caller mentioned with Marjorie and Leroy. Uh-huh.
1: Mer-
10: Mary and Jordan but did a tremendous job as Teenie, didn't she?
1: Oh, she did. It was uh, at least a year of listening and really enjoying Fibber McGee and Molly before I even realized that it was Marion who was playing Teenie.
10: Yeah, isn't that something? She did an outstanding job with. I think I was in the same position.
1: Well, um, Ray, I'll tell you what, Um, because you were trying to dial at the same time, I will send you a CD as well, but I have another set of questions if you want to take a shot at them. I'll do it. Oh, you're game. This is good. Okay. Um, And this is, again, for any one of the CDs. Now, go through the list. You can go shopping and take your pick. Okay. Okay. Uh, I have three questions again. The first question is in the Red Rider series, the juvenile western Red Rider who was the cowboy had a young Indian companion named Little Beaver. There were six actors who played Little Beaver. Name one of the actors who played Little Beaver. That's the first question. The second one, these are not easy by the way. I think you're going to be happy to tell. <laughs> to answer the other ones. Uh, The second question is, Gildersleeve always had a house full of people for Christmas. They came and went, and Mr. Peavy would often stop by with a gift. Who was Mr. Peavy? And the third question, in the story It's a Wonderful Life, George Bailey wishes out loud that he had never been born. But the character Clarence shows up and shows George... What would what the world would have been like without him? Who was Clarence? Ah. All uh, right. I need to know one of the actors who played Little Beaver.
10: Uh, that would be Frank Bursey.
1: There you go. okay. And,
10: and the druggist, uh, oh, Mr. Peavy, was the druggist. Yeah.
1: You bet! Oh gosh, you're good. Okay, and the third one, do you know which? One, who Clarence
10: was is? an angel.
1: Was an angel trying to earn his wings. Oh boy, uh, are you good.
10: <laughs> yeah, the great questions. I really like. <laughs> oh, you know, they're easy to me, but I have asked uh, younger friends, and uh, they they uh, they were at a loss.
1: <laughs> um, I, you
10: guys make me feel smart.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they even recognize the shows. I guess we're ahead of the game here. Okay, I'll go through the list of available CDs, and you can tell me which one you'd like. We have super McGee and Molly Christmas Shows. That one. You want that one? Yep. Got it. Okay.
10: Okay, I have a question that I'd like to give you guys, but not for you to answer because I know you know the answer. Um, there was a... Uh, Silver McGee and Molly had a uh um a maid. Uh-huh. And what was unique about this maid? And maybe somebody else can call up and answer that question.
1: Uh-huh.
0: That's a good one. We'll leave that for the audience. <laughs> okay. I like that
10: one.
1: Thank you for that question. I do know the answer. And they asked oh, you... two maids.
10: You you don't know the answer to that one?
1: You know the answer. She does. And I'm so proud of her. Oh, she does.
10: Her. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you notice that I only ask questions with that I know.
10: Okay, so do you want me to email you with my address and everything?
1: I would like you to email me at FloridaWriter at hotmail and let me know where I can send your C D.
10: Excellent. Thank you so much, and I'm really, really enjoying the show.
0: How's the weather in Chicago tonight, Ray? Did it get up to 100 degrees or 80 degrees today? How, how warm it, did it get?
10: You, you're not going to believe this. I'm actually in Wisconsin now. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I have a little uh, getaway cottage about 100 miles north of Chicago, and, um, you know, it's, it's a weekend uh, getaway place, and... Um, The weather here, I'm a golfer, I might add, and the weather here has been kind of overcast, but that's fine because it it gets so darn hot that, uh, you know, uh, something in in the uh, low 70s at this time of the year is just tremendous for us. (laughs) I I tell you what, too, I went to the Italian Fest in Milwaukee yesterday.
7: Mm -hmm. Wow.
10: Yeah, and that's usually a four-, five-, six-day event. Uh And a lot of people come from all over the country. Not over the country, but, you know, in the Midwest area. And a lot of people from Chicago drive up there. And uh, it's really an interesting and fun day festival. Now, the weather that day was a little cooler. That was yesterday. And they had, uh, you know, some light rain but In spite of that, the place was packed.
1: Sounds like a wonderful deal. Do they have entertainment and food and...
10: Yeah, as a matter of fact, they not only, you know, uh, excellent Italian food, you know, a little dark snack food, and, uh, but they had some of the old-time uh, singers like uh, El Martino was there.
1: Oh, my gosh, really?
10: Yeah, and Dick Cantino, do you Does anybody remember him? Did you bet for the Lawrence Welk show? Well, Dick Cantino. Uh, I'm telling you, he's got to be every bit of late 70s, and, you know, it was pretty warm there in spite of the overcast and rain, the way he was working out. He actually took off his shirt, (laughs) and, and, well, he had, like, a a dark T-shirt on, and that guy is really well built. Wow. Wow. He must really keep himself in condition. I was really surprised. Well, point, just a fine show.
0: Point at instrument, I can see why he would develop muscles, in his hands for crying out loud.
10: Yeah, that thing you know? looks like a waist deep out. <laughs> but in any event, listen, I'm so appreciative of uh, this little um, uh, contest, and I'm, I'm glad I was able to participate.
1: Well, I'm glad. Uh, can I ask you one more question? Sure. And this is strictly voluntary. Do you have a Christmas? You can share either um, ah,
10: Christmas stories hmm. Christmas 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 uh, okay I'll give you one this is kind of a cute one years ago I'm going to say let's see now this time frame would be in the late 40s and uh, I came home from school and our bathtub was removed from, um, it was one of those bathtubs with uh, the, the four um, legs on it. Uh-huh. And it was out of the, uh, I don't know, I didn't even know where they put it. And tied to the faucet was a baby lamb.
7: <laughs>
10: now, I got the biggest kick out of that. And, I, and you know, I would be in there at the bathroom, and I, I recall, like, talking to the lamb and he would be going, "Eh," you know, and I couldn't quite figure what it was all about. I must have been like five or six, I guess. And little did I know that in a few days he would be my dinner.
1: (laughs) You said little did I know. Oh, my
10: gosh. (laughs) Yeah, that was something.
1: That is most memorable, but not for the best reason.
10: (laughs) Oh, it was really unusual for that (laughs) to happen, so, you know. Uh, but that, you know, I could probably think of some other ones. But.
1: Well, forgive me for being so practical here, but what did you do for a bathtub in the meantime?
10: Well, it was only few days, And, you know, when you're that age, uh, I think we took a bath every Saturday, anyway, if I can remember.
1: That is too funny. Oh, my gosh.
10: <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm just surprised I'm even thinking about it, you know. Ah, uh, this is great. You know, you guys bring back great memories, you know. Nobody the, the, about that this one? show has got to be the best of the best, you know. Uh, I I really I look forward to listening every Friday night. Uh,
0: oh gosh, thanks so much, Ray.
10: Thank yeah, you. You, you you just just do a great job, and I'm so happy that uh, that you're both there tonight. Great, and uh, yeah, I really look forward to it. Thank you very
1: much.
0: Great, Ray. Well, we'll let we'll you get back to uh, listen to your computer.
10: Okay. Thanks so much. I'll be, I'll be listening. Sounds great. Okay, good night, Good night. night.
0: And that's Rave from uh, Chicago to Wisconsin. Any, any neck you can give us a call at 714-545-2071. If you have any thoughts or opinions or uh, comments, we uh, enjoy. This is the, this is the time of the year. We try to cool the water down with good thoughts and uh, Christmas shows. Not a, not a bad way to go. Not a bad thing to do. You know, I was thinking about, you were asking Ray about a famous uh, Christmas story, and I was just thinking about my dad. Um, My dad just celebrated his 78th birthday here two days ago. Oh, happy birthday! Yeah, and um, he lost his dad uh, um, when he was 9 years old, March of 1941. Uh-huh. And he, he was, lived in a small town in Nebraska, on the border of Nebraska and Kansas. And the like anything, like any um, like any neighborhood, like any uh, small town, the people looked after each other. And cause I guess my dad was a cute little guy. The doctor's wife. Took a liking to him. They didn't have a son of their own, and so she sort of looked out, adopted my dad. And she asked my dad what he wanted for Christmas. And I guess it was these toy pearl guns, you know, to- shooting guns. Mm-hmm. And you know, let's face it, during the Great Depression, money was hard. And my uh, my my dad's family, um, they carried the small town in the farm implement business. So none of the farmers had money, so everything was done on credit. So, you know, things like that would have been hard to have. And so, for Christmas time, uh, they, she had the the girls, I guess she had two girls, deliver my dad his 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 little toy guns.
1: Oh, how sweet. Yeah.
0: So when you were talking about Ray and the lamb there, I got thinking of the, of the flashback with that. So,
1: Sweet story. Yeah. I don't think anybody can top the lamb.
0: No. That's a great story.
1: I would love people if people called in and tried to top it. Well, don't even have to
0: top it. No. I
1: guess, I guess
0: with it. Go ahead and add to it.
1: That is a honey of a... Sp- yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, we got another Christmas show uh, lined up. Good. And I'm thinking, why not a Phil Harris Outer Space show?
7: Oh, great.
0: And, Patricia, you picked out the one from December 18th, 1949. Interesting. First show, we had lined up on, with December 18th, 1945. So, uh, four years later, we go from a Tuesday to a Sunday, both on NBC. And that's what we got. We have the legendary Phil Harris, Alice Faye, and probably the guy who's a true Renaissance guy, Elliot Lewis, who Faye. Frankie Remley on the show, and Walter Tetley. It's a classic show, and I think Patricia will talk about it when we get back. That's great. I'll uh, be here listening. All right, folks. So here we go from uh, the NBC Radio Network, December 18, 1949, the Phil Harris of Fay
11: show. Good health to all from Rexall. <laughs> The Bill Harris-Alice Bay Show, presented transcribed by the makers of Rexall drug products and 10,000 independent Rexall family druggists. Good evening. This week, we independent Rexall druggists would like to play Santa Claus to all you tired, last-minute Christmas shoppers. Our present to you is quick, easy, economical gift-buying without all the rush and worry. Suggestions? Well, there's Carinome, one of America's oldest and most respected line of beauty aids and a Rexall exclusive. We have Keranome Cosmetics in delightful gift sets for as low as $1.25, up to a luxurious, completely fitted travel case for $79. Then there's Stag, Rexall's exclusive and popular toiletries for men. You can buy them individually gift boxed for as little as $0.75, cents, or in handsome combination sets and fitted bags up to $15.95. If you're faced with some of that last-minute gift buying, look for the store with the orange and blue Rexall sign on the window. This week, that sign means quick, easy, can't-go-wrong Christmas shopping. Merry Christmas to all from Rexall. And now your Rexall family druggist brings you The Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. Written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, and Whitfield, Walter Sharp and his music, yours truly, Bill Foreman, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. With Christmas just a week off, the Harris family is busily engaged putting a few Yule Tide decorations around the house. Alice is hanging a holly wreath in the window, and Phil has just finished hanging some mistletoe over the door. There, mistletoe. Ah, Philip, the many girls whose toes
12: you've curled under this little sprig of greenery.
8: Daddy, what do you call that green stuff you just hung over the door?
12: Oh, mistletoe, honey. Better known as Smooching Spinach
7: Why do you hang it over the door?
12: Well, it's like a game, baby Alice The idea is for a fella to get a girl under the mistletoe And then kiss her
1: Did you ever play the game, Daddy?
12: Did I ever play? I was all American 12 years in a row
8: You mean if a fella gets a girl under the mistletoe, he kisses her? Sounds like a silly game to me.
12: Don't knock it till you've tried it, gal. (laughs) And don't try it till you get my permission.
8: Daddy, before
13: you married Mommy, did you have any girlfriends?
12: Oh, I had a few. I'd say a few. (laughs) How many? Well, I don't remember. When I got married, I fired my scorekeeper. (laughs) (laughs) You know something? I probably had more girlfriends than you could have...
9: So, well, what are you doing? Daddy's telling us about all the girls he knew before he met you. Oh, them. <laughs> that should make for nice, dull conversation. Mommy, did you know that Daddy used to go out with other girls? Oh, of course I knew we went out with other girls. <laughs> uh, I say, girls. He never knew what a girl was supposed to look like until he met me. Now, look, Father, stop bragging about your former. Hello there, where is everybody? Oh,
13: hello there. Good morning, children. Howdy doody, Philip.
7: (laughs)
12: Howdy doody, oh, you dimpled darling. You You know, sometimes, Willie, you're so cute I can't. Philip, stop
13: chucking me under the chin. I ain't
12: chucking you under the chin, I'm groping for your
13: windpipe. Have your decorations up, Alice And they look wonderful The holly and the berries uh, What's that green stuff Hanging in the doorway there?
12: That's mistletoe
13: What do you hang that up for? What do you... (laughs) Oh, this kid really lives
12: (laughs) Why, I don't know But he does (laughs) Look, Willie You're supposed to get a girl under. Look Didn't your father ever tell you About the birds and the bees?
13: Naturally Birds. A bird is a warm blooded, feathered egg laying vertebrate commonly known as the avian seropsidon.
7: Huh? Bee.
13: A bee is a honey gathering hymenopterous insect of the genus Apis. All right, it's... Willie. All right, all right. So that's the scientific definition of the birds and the bees. Well,
7: <laughs>
13: I must have
12: a talk with my father. Papa is away off the beans. <laughs>
7: yeah, your brother always I also had... know about fish. Now, shut up! Uh, Willie, do
9: you really like our decorations?
13: Oh, Alice the Beautiful. And I'm glad to see that you people are imbued with the Christmas spirit. <laughs> That's more than I can say for our city fathers. Where's the big community tree they always have in front of City Hall? I ask you, where is it? Well, don't look at me. I ain't
12: got it.
9: <laughs> Willie, I wonder why they don't have the tree up this year.
13: That's what I'm going to find out. I'm on my way down to the city hall right now to get to the bottom of this. I'll go in and I won't come out till I know the whys and the wherefores.
9: What did he say?
13: He said he's going in on
12: his why and coming out on his where.
9: <laughs> you know, Willie, you're right. We should have a community tree and I'm going to the city hall with you. You're coming too, Philip. enough people protest, we'll get results.
12: But, Alice, I can't go. I've got a date with Frankie.
9: Well, we'll pick him up and take him too.
12: Oh, all right. But I don't know if I'm in favor of this. Gee whiz, in order to put a tree up, you got to chop one down.
13: What's wrong with that?
12: I don't believe in it. You see, I have an affinity for our little green brothers. And if you'll lend me your big flapping ears, I'll proceed to tell you why. Why? a tree grows near our house it's been there quite some time now the tree is a